The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. Corporate sponsors may from time to time be the subject of buy and or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter. However, as host of Turning Hard Times into Good Times, Jay Taylor retains the right to provide objective opinions on behalf of subscribers and to his listeners audience regardless of sponsorship. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. You know, 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Excuse me. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I think we have a very, very interesting show for you today. In the first segment, I'm going to introduce to you a very exciting and successful market analyst and money manager from Athens, Greece. She is the lovely Lana Manosaritis. Manosaritis. Lana will be with us to provide an overall market commentary from a European perspective, which I think is going to be more and more important as we move forward and as uh, things change globally. You can learn more about Lena's work by going to Spike Charts. That's S-P-I-K-E Charts.com. Our special guest today is the world-renowned Mark Faber. Mark is a highly acclaimed analyst and money manager who has a fantastic track record. He is a member of the prestigious Barron's Roundtable, where he stands, in my view, head and shoulders even above his peers. Mark will be with us for the second and third segments of this show. If you're looking for unconventional advice in unconventional times, I think you're not going to want to miss Mark Faber. And then during the fourth segment of this hour... Uh, I will introduce to you Chen Lin. He is the author of What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Chen will provide a trading idea each week. Unfortunately, Chen will not be with us in person this week, but I will pass on some of the remarks he wanted me to tell you about. And Roger Wiegen, he's the author of Trader Tracks, uh, will be with us. Roger uh, and I, as well as Chen and I, are partners. We help each other sell uh, our newsletters. Uh, Roger will be, he's, as I say, he's a uh, technical analyst. He's, he's the author of Trader Tracks. And Roger will have a chart of the week every week, uh, a chart that he thinks is most important and investors should be paying special attention to. And then I will be talking to you about my stock pick of the week. Every week in my newsletter on Saturday, I tell my subscribers, uh, I give them the name of a stock that I think is especially good at, this particular, at that particular point in time. 
And if you can wait until Tuesdays uh, to hear what that is, uh, you can hear about it on the radio. Of course, if you'd like to learn about it as early as the rest of my subscribers do, you can subscribe to my, to my newsletter called J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, which you can find out more about by going to webeatthestreet.com, webeatthestreet.com. So Roger, Chen, and Lena will be weekly guests on this show. At least those are that's our plan at the point at this point in time. Uh, and webeatthestreet.com, you can learn about Roger, Chen, and myself, and spikecharts.com to learn more about Lena. Okay, well that's the layout for this week's program. Now it's time to introduce to you Lena Manosaridis. She is the uh, senior market analyst at spikecharts.com. She is a professional foreign exchange trader, a trading specialist based in Athens, Greece, as I said, uh, currently a market analyst uh, for Spike Charts. She has amassed a lot of experience in the market uh, working for a variety of brokers, and she regularly contributes articles to foreign exchange websites and major economic newspapers. She is also in the process of becoming a commodity trading advisor. And if you care to contact Lena, she does make her email address available. That's Lena, L-E-N-A, at spikecharts, S-T-I-K-E, charts.com. Lena, welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Hello, Jay. It's great to be on the show. And by the way, you pronounced my name very nicely. I did. I can't believe it. I really can't. After I butchered it so badly last week, uh, I I don't know. (laughs) I've just been practicing it all week, you know, so we'll see. Exactly. Um, I'm really excited to have you on uh, on the show for a European perspective. You know, I think it's very important for Americans now especially. I mean, you know, things change in history. If we're students of history, we realize that nations don't necessarily retain their privileged status forever. I mean, Greece at one time was a great was a great country, still a great country, but it was you know, on the world scene uh and, and so things do change. And so I think it's very important for people to have this European perspective. So I'd like to ask you really, this is the first question I have for you. Lena, um, okay. you know, as we approach the G20 meeting, what are Europeans thinking of America now, especially given the fact that you know we have a new president? I think he's a very different president than the one we had before. Absolutely. Uh, America is, I think, arguably, and I don't think too many people would dispute this, uh, in an economic decline now. We're certainly having one of the worst recessions or depressions since the 1930s. So I'd just like to hear what you have to say. What are Europeans really thinking about America and maybe more importantly the U.S. dollar at this time? Absolutely. Okay, well, um, the current market sentiment in EU, as well as U.S., I'm sure, is quite negative, unfortunately. And even if we saw a brief rally in the stock markets, you know, in the recent days, I think there is always a feeling at the back of traders' minds that the day, uh, the next day, will bring more havoc. And um, also the European sentiment towards Obama administration, I think, has changed dramatically because after the elections, we all viewed Obama as, you know, the next messiah who will come in and tackle all economic trouble with his Superman status. And we did try hard to believe that there is light at the end of the tunnel. But now after we listened to Bernanke and Gaithner and Obama himself speaking lately, um, I think we realized that the economy and the recovery may be prolonged. Mm-hmm. And there, it's not just a simple matter of just pumping more money into the system. Because, let's not forget that the real trouble started because of that. So basically, although Obama was and still is popular as a person, Europe, I think, holds you as responsible for the whole economic crisis. I mean, there is a feeling that Obama really needs a miracle to sort out the current mess. And many believe that Obama's plans are self-destructive and, you know, the more he tries, the more he will fail. 
So I think now that we're coming into G20, um, the most Europeans believe that uh, there is not a lot of purpose for the meeting and they're quite pessimistic about it, but let's all hope that this is not going to happen. And I want to become, you know, more positive about the whole thing because I'm quite an optimistic person myself. So the show talks about let's turn the hard times into good times. So let's try to be optimistic about it. <laughs> Well, indeed, we need to be optimistic. We also exactly. need to be realistic, and I think you're pointing out some some interesting things. You know, uh, it was the uh, the Chancellor of Germany, uh, Merkel, who this past week has was really saying exactly what you just said a few minutes yeah. ago. Yeah, she yeah. was basically saying, uh, you know, what are you doing, issuing and and you know, printing money, a trillion dollars yeah. of money, when in fact that was the very thing that got us into trouble in the first place. Exactly, yeah. I mean, she did say that yesterday, I believe, and I think it's going to be very interesting the next coming days to see um, what Merkel will say. I'm quite interest, interested myself to see exactly what she's going to say because everybody's now looking at uh, Europe and U.S. as, you know, the people who are actually uh, meeting in London in order to solve the whole economic uh, crisis. And people really deep down know that that's not going to happen, so... I think that it's going to be very interesting. And, and the dollar, that you mentioned the dollar now, I think um, is, uh, the direction of the dollar will actually be determined in the next coming days because at the moment I don't think traders want to commit either way mm. because, you know, we see the euro dollar now in quite um, – I think it's stalling at the moment because yeah. it has held 131, uh, which is a very crucial level. And I think there is more – my personal opinion is that there is more um, – upside coming, but I think the traders won't do anything until Wednesday or Thursday because we've got more economic data coming out, which is the non-farm payrolls, don't forget, on Friday. And I think the dollar's direction will be actually determined this week. That's what I believe. Do you think it will be determined by, by what takes place at the G20? I mean, if you, if you believe that, what sort of an, uh, of an outcome might make you bullish on the dollar? What sort of an outcome might make you bearish on the dollar? Hmm, and that is a very good question because um, I think recently we have, we have all witnessed that dollar's performance doesn't really reflect on fundamentals, and I think you and me spoke about that earlier. Yeah. Um, and that may continue now um, until we see some kind of economic stability materializing. Um, I think investors think this. They've got the euro, they've got the pound, and they think that euro and pound have more chances of failing rather than the dollar. No matter the severity of the economic trouble, I think the dollar is, was, and likely will be the main world currency reserve. And all the tries of the world, uh, you know, by the Chinese or the Russians won't change that. So for now, I think investors will keep buying the dollar as a safety net. So the outcome of the G20, if it's not good, which means if there is nothing really, you know, they the, the won't talk about something major that will solve the economic problems, I think that the dollar may be bought again as risk aversion because investors turn it into the dollar in the latest months as a safety net. Mm -hmm. So therefore I believe that, you know, we, we might see again dollar rising. That's very interesting, Lena. You know, uh, one of the theses that I believe has some validity to it with respect to the strength uh -huh. of the dollar at a time when the U.S. economy is going to hell in a handbasket is that uh, we were the largest nation. You know, I mean, we have the largest with the world's reserve currency, so therefore it has uh -huh. the, most, the most money floating around the world and the most debt. 
And when you start to contract the global economy, as we've been doing, then mm-hmm. you know debts have to be repaid. So it's really a short covering of the dollar, and you see the scrambling. Everybody's selling whatever they're able to sell to buy dollars, to demand dollars, to repay their debts. And if we continue to contract, let's say the global economy continues to contract, could you see more of the same, more of this happening, continuing on? So a stronger dollar in spite of the fact that we have a very weak and disastrous economy. Yes, absolutely, Jay. I, I agree with that, definitely, because um, if the situation continues to, to be like that and the economic data continues to deteriorate all across the board, from U.S. especially, and with the unemployment coming so high and with the non-farm payroll data being so bad, I think that it will, again, turn into dollar because the risk and pressure always prevails. Whatever happens, um, even if the economic data is not good out of U.S., investors will turn into the dollar because, you know, that's what they do in time of crisis. And I think we discussed that about the Great Depression, how they turn into the dollar and the gold as well, which mm-hmm. uh, this is the next topic that I will speak about. Yeah, as a, as a matter of fact, I, I think as long as the uh, the world's reserve currency remains the dollar, I think those exactly. are the dynamics. Now, yeah. here, I have to bring this up to you, Lena, before we run out of time, and we only have about <laughs> a minute and a half left. Russia is talking about going back to a gold standard. China is talking about going to the SDR, uh, back to special drawing rights, uh, which was sort of an a interim between the gold standard and the, and the paper standard we have now. Do you have any thoughts about that? You were suggesting in your co- earlier comments that you don't believe that we're going to make the, that kind of a move just yet. But do you think that could happen in the future? And if so, well, give me also your view on the dollar, I mean, excuse me, on gold, short-term and long-term, if you would, please. Um, I really don't believe that that will happen just yet mm-hmm. uh, because it's not in America's interest. And I don't think America will just uh, let things happen, like escalate and um, the, the dollar to lose its current status. Because don't forget that Mr. Gaetner himself told the Chinese last week, I believe, that that move won't happen just yet. And therefore, I don't believe that the Russians or the Chinese can change things and make another currency basket to replace the dollar as a main currency. Uh, so I believe that as long as that stands, then the dollar can and will continue to um, rise. Okay, we got 30 now, seconds, Lena. in the Lena, future can you... it might happen, yes, but at the moment with the current crisis and all, I really don't believe that will happen. We have a few seconds left to, uh, for you to answer the question, what is your about short-term view on gold and longer term? Okay, about the gold, I feel that there is definitely risk to the upside in the coming sessions, and I think what we're experiencing at the moment, maybe it's just a simple retracement for rally above 1,000. Mm-hmm. I think as long as 900 level hoards for now, I believe there is further upside towards mm, 960 or 980. Mm-hmm. And a clear break of the latter level will definitely give us another try over 1,000. So for now, uh, investors should watch. The crucial levels are 900 to 960. A clear break will tell us the direction for now. Well, that's fantastic, Lena. You know, I really appreciate your comments here. I look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, I'm sorry we're out of time for now, but uh, I really, really look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you so much for being with us. Okay, thank you, Jay. Have a great day. And you too. And coming up next, uh, I talk to Mark Faber, so don't go away. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, 
Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to jtaylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now back to our program. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. You can learn more about me and my newsletter by going to miningstocks.com. You can also go to WeBeatTheStreet.com to learn more about my work as well as that of my two partners, namely Roger Wiegand of Trader Tracks, the author of Trader Tracks, and Chen Lin, the author of What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? We expect to talk to both Chen and Roger in the final segment of this week's show, but first and most important, we want to welcome our very special guest, Mark Faber. Mark is so well known, he really doesn't need much of an introduction to any of you, but we do want to tell you, if by slight chance you're not familiar with his newsletter, it's called the Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report. It's a fabulous must-read, in my opinion, and Mark's website is at gloomboomdoom.com. Uh, he also has a blog. I think it's Mark. That's spelled with an M-A-R-C, faberblog.blogspot.com. Mark, welcome to our show. Thank you very much. Very kind of you to have me on. Well, it's very kind of you to be on, and you're talking to us today uh, from Saigon, I believe. And, yes, uh, yes, correct. A, a country I've never been to, but I, I understand it's a beautiful place. Uh, the people are beautiful there, from what I understand. Uh, you know, they were they were supposedly our enemies at one time, but I'm not sure they really ever were our enemies. I think that was, uh, well, who knows, whatever drove that that um, that problem that. Uh, that quagmire that we got ourselves into, the United States of America, the great superpower that we are, we couldn't uh, defeat a third world country at that time. And we're in some quagmires now, it would seem, wouldn't you say so, in the Middle East, possibly? Possibly. But in any event, it's interesting in Vietnam, which was uh, strict communism until 89, and then only gradually began to open up. We are in the process of privatizing state-owned enterprises, and in the West, we're in the process of nationalizing them. So as a historian, it's quite an interesting uh, observation. We go through these cycles, don't we, sometimes? I mean, uh, Correct. You, you have to sort of learn by your mistakes, and then, and then the next generation or future generations forgets what we learned. 
In socialism, wait. communism, you uh, nationalize first and then you privatize. And in the Western societies, you privatize first and then you nationalize. Indeed, you know, it seems to be, to me, people that I meet from Eastern Europe who were in the communist nations during those, during those years who grew up there and who have come to America are the ones that are most concerned about what they see happening in the United States right now. The, the move towards, towards, um, you know, towards communism or towards statism of one kind or another. There was a, a lady from Poland that I was actually helping to run for, uh, for a, an office in the city of New York here who, uh, uh when listening to some of the talk in the Democratic Party, she said, Jay, you know, this sounds just like the stuff I heard back in Poland. So <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, I'd like to get on to some economic subjects. Um, of course, economics and politics sure. are inextricably um, uh, linked. But uh, in the first two seg- the, in the first segment of, of two segments that we have, I would really like to ask you a few questions about macroeconomics. And in the last sec- segment, I would like to get into some specific maybe sectors that you think we should get into or we shouldn't get sure. into. Um, you know, it used to be only gold bugs, folks uh, that were considered by, you know, as slime by the likes of Dennis Gartman's of this world, warned of impending economic doom if we, uh, if we continue to print endless amounts of money. Now, however, it seems that most mainstream people on the planet, or a lot of them anyway, are really worried about an impending calamity. Martin Wolf, for example, yesterday in the Financial Times, said, this is unquestionably the worst economic crisis since the 1930s. Do you think Mr. Wolf is overstating the severity of our current economic situation? Well, I mean, we have to look at it this way, that uh, 2001, officially the U.S. economy began to recover in November 2001, and initially there wasn't all that much traction, but Then as we went into 2004 to 2007, we really had a global, synchronized, incredible boom where, I mean, if you traveled around the world from Hong Kong to Dubai to Moscow and then down to South Africa to Europe, U.S., Canada, Latin America, and then Australia, Japan, back to Asia, everywhere you had an economic boom where personal incomes were rising strongly, where asset markets were going up. By the way, all asset markets from art to equities to real estate, uh, commodities, and even bond prices were rallying. So everything was being driven up by an incredible credit bubble. And from this huge synchronized boom, that, in my opinion, was unsustainable. We went down and collapsed between last September and uh, February of this year. So, yes, I mean, I think we are in a very bad economic situation whereby there are differences between the 30s and today. In most countries of the Western world, today about 50% of income recipients are actually tied to the government. In other words, government expenditure makes up between, say, in the U.S., municipalities, the state, and the federal government, roughly 50% mm-hmm. of the economy. And that will continue and go up because the government will become bigger and bigger. And I'm not so worried about socialism as about 
fascism, mm. where the state has a larger and larger influence on your personal life. And uh, basically, yes, this uh, downturn is very severe in Japan. Now, in February, exports were down 49% year-on-year. Wow. Can you imagine that? The U.S. Postal Service, the deliveries are down 15% year-on-year. These are big figures. And I think we may stabilize at the low level at some point because there is replacement demand and, as I said, government um, money recipients, they will continue to spend some money. But, I mean, the uncertainty leaves, leads to individuals starting to save because they're worried about tomorrow, they're worried about the pensions, they're worried about the ability of the state to pay future contingent liabilities like health care and social security. And so I don't think we'll recover for a long time to the level we were at in 2005 to 2007, that kind of Global prosperity is not isn't gonna come back right away. So, so what, uh, in your opinion, is the cause of it? Is it just the excessive amount of credit that was issued uh, during these years, and and why is it that we had a global boom all at the same time? Well, I think artificially low U.S. interest rates after 2001, when the Fed slashed interest rates on the Fed fund rate from 6.5% by year-end 2001 to one three quarters percent and then down to 1% in 2003 and then kept interest rates at 1% until June 2004 led to an even greater credit bubble than was built up between 1980 and year 2000 because don't forget debt as a percent of GDP in the U.S. grew from 130% in 1980 to essentially over uh, 300% in the year 2000. Now it's at 360%. Mm. So we had already a huge debt buildup, but the artificially low interest rates led to even more leverage. And that is the source of the problem, essentially ill-conceived U.S. government policies. But thinking back, Mark, at that point in time, it was long about 2002, there were real concerns about deflation in the U.S. Japan had been going through their deflationary period since their, their stock market peaked in, I guess it was about 1980 or so. Then, um, you know, there was a, there was real concern, at, especially after 9-11, then uh, things sort of seized up already, and uh, Ben Bernanke wrote his paper, Deflation, Making Sure It Doesn't Happen Here, and Greenspan then, you know, just pumped the system full of money, as you said, but what should have they done back then? I mean, if, if they well, were really... I think the first, uh, there were many policy mistakes going back actually to 1990, the way the SNL crisis was solved, and then the money printing and the bailout of Mexico in 94. And especially, I think it was a huge mistake to bail out LTCM in 1998 for the simple reason that if LTCM had not been bailed out in 98, then banks and hedge funds and financial intermediaries would have leveraged up far less than they did. That gave them the green signal. There's a green span put. 
Yep. And when Bernanke came in, the green signal was, yeah, the Greenspan puts will continue, but with a higher striking price. Mm-hmm. So even more leverage was undertaken. That is the problem. And you can control debt growth. I mean, the Fed should not only pay attention to so-called ridiculous figures like core inflation. A, nobody in the world lives by core inflation, which excludes, say, food and energy. And even if you include those, the consumer price index is highly doctored and massaged, uh, massaged because they don't weight health care costs, food costs, education costs properly. So the whole thing is a farce. And uh, the Federal Reserve has totally failed in its policies. And these are the people, Mr. Bernanke, Mr. Geithner, who are now basically in charge of solving the problems, the money printers. Well, uh, Mark, you know, we could we could go on. I see I've got only two minutes left in this segment, so I've got to get on to some other issues. But do you think they'll be able to? So far, we've seen tremendous amount of wealth destruction. It seems as though the, the policymakers are having a hard time pumping money into the system fast enough to overcome the wealth destruction that we're seeing. And, you know, there's fights going on in Congress. Congress doesn't want to give away hundreds of billions of dollars, but in fact there's trillions of dollars of wealth destruction taking place. Do you think there's any danger that they're simply not going to be able to feed enough money into the system to overcome this deflationary pressure? Now, we're seeing some some rise in the commodity prices now and some rise in the equity markets. Could this just be a bear market uh, a rally that we're seeing here in the equity markets in a short term? I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is do you think there's a chance that the policymakers will not be able to pump enough money into the system to overcome this deflationary pressure that's that's obvious out there, or do you think the other problem might be, uh, you know, extreme inflation or hyperinflation even? What what do you think is the best bet going forward? It's so important, really, in terms of how we plan our portfolios. Yeah, yeah sure, I fully agree with you. This is a very big question because uh, if you believe in deflation. You should be basically in government bonds, and if you believe in inflation, you should be in assets, whether it's real estate or equities or gold and other commodities and so forth. My view of this is Congress has totally failed in many ways. I mean, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac was under the direct supervision of Congress, and these are the big failures that essentially led A, to the subprime crisis, and B, then, to the downturn. And so I wouldn't put too much trust in Congress. Mm. And I think the government is now removed from the people. They protect their own interests, and the congressmen have a lot of money, so they also want asset prices to go up. I'm leaning towards money printing. Mm. And if it doesn't work now, more money will be printed. And what the so-called quantitative easing so far has been, this is just the tip of the iceberg of what is forthcoming. Well, but Mark, uh, so far it seems like money isn't getting in the hands of the people who would spend 100% of it. You know, the the average income people in America and the, and the poor people, it's basically, it seems to be routed through to the to the banking interest, essentially, and people are getting their bonuses and... Uh, yes, yes, you are right. That's exactly the purpose of the bailout plans. The simple man in America, the average, good, hardcore worker, middle class, will get nothing 
The money will go to the elite so they can abuse the system once again the way they have done it for the last 20 years. So this, this is your concern about fascism, I take it. I mean, this is sort Correct. of the direction of things. Correct. Correct. But how are they going to – there's still these deflationary pressures, and I guess we're out of time here for the okay. first segment. I'm when gonna... we're running into deflationary pressures, the next measure is war. Uh-huh. Oh, I hate to hear that, Mark. We're, we're going to have to take a commercial break now, but uh, we'll be right back with Mark Faber to learn about where he thinks we should be putting our money now, uh, given this, this horrible economic uh, climate that we find ourselves in. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Felzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to The Dave Felzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to jtaylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm here with Mark Faber 
Uh, Mark, I'd like to get right into some of these issues. I, I'd love to talk to you about some of these geopolitical issues, but I guess we, we need to keep focused on markets and where people might best put their money right now. Of course, if we, if we have a war, as you're suggesting, we could have more and more wars, and then, you know, where we put our money is a secondary issue uh, uh, to just staying alive, I guess, and trying to keep ourselves safe. But, but at least for now, thank God, we don't have to worry about it, at least in America at the moment. So, I'd like to ask you about gold. You had written recently, I think on March 1st or earlier this month, uh, uh, an article called In Gold I Trust, but with some reservations. Could you tell our listeners why you are uh, interested in owning gold, but why you have some reservations about it? Well, basically, I like gold because I think that nowadays the central banks, including the Federal Reserve and all the central banks in Europe, have given up on uh, maintaining one of the functions of paper money, and that is to be a store of value. If you print money, then obviously paper money loses its value against some kind of other assets. could be uh, physical assets or it could be towards consumer goods, in other words, that you get consumer price inflation. Mm-hmm. So I think that each responsible citizen has to become his own central bank and that with interest rates on bank deposits and treasury bills being essentially zero, there's not much of an opportunity cost to own a safe currency whose supply cannot be increased at the same speed as you can print money. So for that reason, I like gold. Having said that, as you know, gold has gone from $255 in 2001 to now over $900. And during the same time, equities have performed badly. And uh, over the last 12 months, gold has gone up, whereas other commodities have collapsed and stocks have collapsed. So relatively speaking... Gold is near-term quite expensive. Mm. For that reason, I have some reservations that if there is a rally in equity markets or in uh, other asset markets that people will sell gold and buy other assets. Having said that, I think that the distinction between gold and other commodities and other assets is that actually gold is money. You can, if you have gold coins or a kilobar of gold, you can go and liquefy it right away. If you have real estate and equities, it may take time. So I like gold. The only concern I have is that one day it may go up so much that the governments will take it away from you. Well, spe- yeah, speaking of, okay, so, uh, yeah, so what, what can we do about that? I mean, governments have the guns, right? So what can we do? Well, if you have your own gun, maybe you can keep it. <laughs> That's interesting. But you, you need a lot that. of guns. Yeah, that's and, but you can essentially you can you could keep gold in say gold friendly countries. In other words, I don't think that in Dubai and in Singapore and in Hong Kong the government would really come and expropriate gold because these are places where there's a strong gold tradition and where the governments will not bend to the whims of the United States. I'm less sure about Switzerland, yes. where I'm holding my gold. That's why I have some concerns. Yes. But I think uh, 
every person who lives anywhere in the world has to think about diversifying his assets, not only between stocks, bonds, real estate, and so forth, but also geographically that you own some assets outside the U.S., but not through a U.S. institutions, but actually through an institution located somewhere else. Uh-huh. Well, uh, Mark, do you do you think that uh, that the gold markets are manipulated or managed by the policymakers just as they manage interest rates and, and various other markets? I'm not sure about that. I'm sure there have been central banks selling, but these were programs that were initiated at the wrong time, by the way. Yeah. They sold their gold, these idiots, at uh, $300 and below per ounce. And now it's over 900, and the Brits did the same. They would have made a lot of money if they had just kept it. But uh, in essence, I'm not a great believer in conspiracy theories, although there could be some manipulation, but I don't think it's that as pronounced as people make it up to be. Okay, Okay, fine. I'd like to switch to uh, another uh, investment area, treasuries, U.S. treasuries. You had mentioned, you know, before you're getting nothing for, at least on the short end of the yield curve, I would argue you're getting nothing on the 30 years either. What about, uh, we've had this, this magnificent bond bull market that started in about 1982 or so. Uh, when is this thing going to end? It would seem it ought to end pretty soon, given the trillions of dollars of new money that's going to have to be raised. It seems the Chinese aren't going to endlessly fund our our, our behavior over here in the United States. So what's your thought on the long bond, and might that be something that should be shorted sometime along the way? We, we've we taken a look at the Rydex uh, fund that, it, that takes a short position against the 30-year Treasury. What are your thoughts on that? Well, basically, interest rates move in long cycles along the Conratius. They bottomed out in the U.S. in the 1940s. Then in 1960, they had doubled to 4% on the 10 years. In 1970, they were at 6%, and then they went to a peak of over 15% on September 21st, 1981. Since then, interest rates have been in a downtrend on the 10 and 30 years, and in my opinion, they bottomed out on December 18th, 2008, in other words, three months ago, on the 10 years at 2%, and on the 30 years, bonds at 2.51%. Since then, the yields have gone up. And of course, on the easing, uh, the quantitative easing announcement of the Fed, they rallied a little bit. But I don't think they'll go very far. I think each rally in bonds is a shorting opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to warn, there are all kinds of instruments how to short bonds. And all these ETFs and so forth, that are either short index futures or bonds, you have to trade them. They're not the good long-term investments because they're rolled over every month and you take essentially a premium loss. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, as a matter of uh, policy, if I were a homeowner and I could refinance, I would now refinance at 30 years. Yes. We just did that, Mark, in New York here. To, um, my, my wife and I at four and four and five eighths, we got a thirty year. You know, four five eighths on a mortgage for thirty years. Yes. You can be sure in thirty years the dollar will be worth much less, and the interest rate in the meantime will be much higher. 
Okay, I'm glad you you commented on the dollar. I was going to ask you about the dollar. You're a world traveler. You're uh, uh, you know around uh, Asia and Europe, and you come to the United States a lot. What are your what's your sense about the attitude of foreigners towards the U.S. dollar and uh, in, the U.S. in general, but the U.S. dollar? And what do you think about the dollar vis-a-vis other currencies? And then, of course, uh, well, we we know what you think about the dollar versus gold. So, what about other currencies? Well, basically, 2002. To 2007, we have a bull market in all assets, commodities, equities, real estate, art, bonds, and so forth, and dollar weakness. And then global liquidity tightened after 2007 because the U.S. trade deficit started to go down and the current account deficit started to go down. That created some kind of shortage or relative shortage of dollars in the world. And so the dollar strengthened. And then we went, say, U.S. dollar towards the euro from a peak of 160 for the euro in early 2008 to a low recently of 125. In other words, the dollar was very strong and the euro very weak. And whereas in 2000 and uh, eight, at the beginning, everybody was very bearish on the dollar. Recently, everybody was very bullish on the dollar and bearish about the euro. But I think the dollar, in my opinion, has probably peaked out. Mm-hmm. And the trend, long-term, believe me, long-term, the trend of the U.S. dollar is to become a worthless currency, long-term. Okay, so do you see any currencies around the world that we should hold, or should we just go to gold? Well, for me, the most desirable, let's say you and I, because we're in the financial service industry, we would be convicted for 10 years in jail to join our friend Madoff. (laughs) And as we enter jail, we can take one investment decision. And for 10 years, we can't change it. But we want to make sure that when we come out of jail, we still have some purchasing power under any kind of scenario. What would you invest in? I would buy gold because when I come out, it may be lower, but it may be higher. But if it's lower, then it means we had, I mean, a a continuous wealth destruction, then Mm -hmm. other things will be much lower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So at least we have still something. And if there was inflation or hyperinflation, we'll be in a good position, provided it hasn't been expropriated from us. I, I, we're, we're basically running out of time here. I've got a, I've got a ton of questions to ask you yet, but I'd like to just get a qu- couple of quick comments on it. Do you think we're, uh, with respect to the equity markets, do you think we're in a, in a, still a secular bear market or, and we're seeing a, a, a bear market, a bull market, you know, a rally in the, within that secular bear market now? I don't think we'll reach new highs anytime soon, so any rally would be defined as a bear market rally. But I think we, bottomed out at 666 on the S&P on March 6. We went now to around 830, 20, up 25%. Mm-hmm. I think for the bull market or for this rise to continue, the market on the S&P must hold at 740. If it drops below, then everything is again in question. So you think we've seen the lows? Good, a good for now, for now, for say the next three months or so. Okay. <laughs> All right. After we have to revisit. 
because we're going to be in a very volatile environment, economic volatility and financial volatility, courtesy of zero interest rates engineered by the U.S. Federal Reserve. Well, Mark, I would love to ask you about farmland. You were you were a, a proponent of farmland at one time. Do you still, um, with a short answer, do you think you still do you still like farmland in general? Yes, I think people should own their own farms. The next war will be a dirty war where city centers are attacked. If you have a house in the middle of nowhere in the countryside, nobody will drop a bomb on you, so you're relatively safe. Well. For that wisdom, but you need five girlfriends to look after it <laughs> and work on the farm. Well, you're so probably you one of those lucky guys that have five girlfriends, Mark. The farm. You're probably one of those lucky guys that have five girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish we had more time. I really do. Thanks, uh, Mark, so much for, your, for sharing your wisdom and insights with our listeners and your humor, by the way. Uh, we'll be right back in a couple of minutes to talk to you, uh, to, to talk to you with a couple of my colleagues, Roger Wiegand and Chen Lin. Don't go away. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to jtaylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. I hope you enjoyed Mark Faber's ideas. <clears throat> I certainly did, especially uh, the idea of a farm with five girls. That was sort of, that was sort of funny. Uh, well, anyway, it's time to introduce uh, you to two guests that we expect to have on our show on a regular basis, uh, Roger Wiegand and Chen Lin. Both of these gentlemen are partners of mine, both publish newsletters that uh, we here in my office help to promote and to uh, market. Uh, we do have Roger Lin, uh, we do have Roger Wiegand in the, in the uh, studio with us today. However, uh, Chen Lin will not be with us. He had another engagement, but he did pass on some information that he wants me to tell you. Uh, so I'll be sharing his ideas, what he would have said if he were with us. He will be on next week, we hope and expect. Um, first, so let's uh, first uh, go to Roger. Roger is my partner. He's a good friend. He's the author of Trader Tracks Weekly Newsletter. Before he began writing his newsletter, Roger was involved in real estate development. He uh, was a pilot and I think a salesman of, of corporate jets at one time, and more recently, Roger has honed in on technical analysis uh, uh, for trading commodities and futures markets. Uh, he's uh, really done a great job. We've been working together for about four years. Roger is primarily a technical analyst. 
He will bring you, uh, each week we expect he's going to bring you a chart of the week, a chart that he thinks is very, very significant at that particular point in time. So, Roger, uh, why don't you just get into it and tell us what you've selected uh, for this show, what chart is really appealing, what looks exciting to you at this time? Well, after the talk that I just heard on, on Mr. Fauber, I, uh, gold is obviously the one that we want to talk about first. So I, I think I picked the right chart for our discussion today. Uh, the first question is that everybody would ask is where is gold right now and what, what is going to happen uh, in the next few days in the intermediate term. Uh, we pulled a chart, uh, a weekly chart off uh, Decision Point today, and Decision Point uh, gave us some information on the weekly chart telling us that gold has supported at about uh, 920, 925, uh, the April gold futures are 919 now, 925 on December. These are key and critical points where, where gold prices have gone before. Uh, they're like old hunting dogs. They like to go back to prices where they supported previously. We see those supports right now, and everything looks like a green light go for the next five-weight rally. Uh, the other important thing we need to review and keep in mind is uh, gold, a full rally on one cycle from bottom to top to bottom, typically will go 46 days. You can read about this in John Murphy's book about technical analysis. And it has done exactly that. We have finished out a five-wave correction, a five-wave up. We've gone through another ABC correction, so right now we're supported nicely in about five spots, which gives me the idea that we are very strongly supported. Uh, gold and silver futures were higher this morning on this Tuesday. Uh, gold sub price is supported above the 50-day average on the daily chart, which is also very important. And it's supported again on or above the top channel line on our weekly chart. All of these indicators tell us that gold has fine support where it sits today on today's price, and we're ready for the next rally. Now, in addition to that, the price is above the 17-day and 43-day moving averages. Silver was up today as well. Uh, precious metals in the shares are fully supported for the next rally, so we think that now is go time. And usually when Jay and I go on these uh, conferences, immediately what happens is gold will take off when I'm not at my desk where I can deal with the traders, but uh, thanks to the Internet and phones and what all, we can manage it. Hey, Roger, that's good news if you're gold bull now because you and I are going to be going to Calgary here in a, a next weekend. So if we go to Calgary, can you guarantee people are going to see a higher gold price? I can't guarantee it, but I can just and out of ten times it happens. Okay. <laughs> so so we're looking for that. Uh, where is the next major resistance then? We had one back here in, um, uh, let's see, back uh, a, few, a few months ago, uh, well, actually, it's been about a year ago. We're on the weekly chart here at 1,007. So that would be the achievement that we would expect next where we might see some hard support or hard resistance, I should say. That would give us a run from on the April futures from 920 to 107, which is uh, a pretty tasty little run for traders and investors alike. Uh, we're watching carefully in our newsletter and I know you are too, Jay, about uh, when to put on more trades as far as shares or new buy-and-hold positions because the juniors will follow the seniors, and the seniors have already perked up, and we think things look very attractive for the next rally. 
So you're bullish on the shares now, Roger, too, huh? Yes, we are. We're bullish on the shares because we think the shares will not only follow the metals in this in this next cycle that we just discussed, but they've also had a uh, an inkling to go after the big share markets like the S&P and the Dow and the Nasdaq. And and like Mark Faubert told us just a few minutes ago, uh, he's looking for perhaps another three months on the upside. Uh, I'm not certain we could, we have that much time left, but uh, with all the fiddling around by the administration and the Federal Reserve, it would not surprise me if the major share cycles are a little bit longer than we think they should be. So now you're talking about the general share market, not the gold share market. That's correct, but we think that the gold share market and silver share market will follow the regular big stock market as well in this next up cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very interesting. Roger, I wish we had more time to talk. You know, we're going to get you on for a regular segment, uh, the whole segment one time soon, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, uh, we want everybody to know that Roger Wiegand's excellent newsletter called Trader Tracks can be accessed and can be purchased at webeatthestreet.com. And uh, Roger, thanks so much for being with us, and we're going to have you back next week, of course, every week. Thanks, Jay. Uh, nice to be here today. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Thanks a lot. Uh, folks, next we need to introduce to you Chen Lin. Um, I met Chen at an investment show in New York. Actually, he had seen me on BNN. Uh, that's uh, Canada's national business channel. I'm, I'm a frequent guest there. And Chen found that there were a lot of things he was interested in that I'm interested in. We we're investing along the same tracks to a certain extent. So he may, went out of his way to meet me at an investment conference, and I could see he was an unusual fellow. He had a lot of great ideas, but I had a lot of difficulty keeping up and spending the time uh, to listen to all of Chen's ideas, so I come up with an idea for Chen. I said, look, why don't you create a newsletter called What is Chen Buying and What is Chen Selling? So that's what we've done. Chen started publishing his newsletter about a month or two ago. Uh, it's a very exciting letter. He brings to us and to our organization a Chinese flavor and some intelligence in terms of knowing what's going on in China. Um, and he's very bright. He's a Ph.D. candidate in the Aeronautical Engineering Program at Princeton uh, he has uh, close ties, as I say. He's got personal friends in China that give him a lot of information that's going on in China. He has an excellent track record. He's earned over 17 times, uh, increased his mother's Roth IRA by 17-fold since 2000-2008. Chen wanted me to tell you today the following. His intelligence in China is suggesting that the stimulus package is working, at least with respect to the automobile sector. China has just taken over the U.S. as the top automobile uh, market in the world now, and Chen is reporting that the auto dealers, some of them back there in the big cities, are, are, support, are reporting 90% year-over-year increase in auto sales. People are having to wait long lists to buy cars in China. Chen implies, and it seems logical enough, that we should be looking at, uh, that this should be very bullish for uh, energy and energy stocks, and his favorite is, uh, is a company called Ram Energy Resources, R-A-M-E. R-A-M-E is 70 cents. Um, and he says there's great big insider buying on this uh, for this stock. Um, so uh, you can learn more about Chen at WeBeatTheStreet.com as well. Now, with respect to my views, and I just want to quickly report them as we're running out of time, I continue to think that in this great battle that Mark Faber talked about between inflation and deflation, that deflation is continuing to win, at least for the moment, that the deflationary pressures are overcoming the efforts of the policymakers to inflate the system. Uh, uh, this is a, something I talk about every week in my newsletter. I have my inflation deflation watch. Now, in this environment, the very best kind of thing you can own are gold stocks. Why? Because in, in a deflationary environment, 
the price of gold holds up well, and the profit margins for gold mining companies improve very dramatically. And so we're seeing good profit margins and good earnings reports coming out of the seniors. I am going to report to you every week my stock pick of the week. And this is something that I, I, I have a stock pick of the week that I tell my subscribers about on Saturday. So if you want to learn about it at, at the same time they do, you need to subscribe to our newsletter called J. Taylor's Gold and Technology Stocks. But this week my stock pick is Metanor Resources. Metanor spelled M-E-T-A-N-O-R. MTO in Toronto, M-E-A-O-F in the pink sheets. It's at 41 cents. Got a market cap of $41 million. It's producing gold from Quebec at the old Bachelor Lake Mine and Milling Complex. It has a gold resource of about 1 million ounces. This company should be able to produce about 60,000 ounces a year at $460 cash costs, giving it $26 million of cash flow. That compares to its $44 million market cap, or uh, market cap of $41 million, I should say, which means that it's selling at about twice its cash flow that I believe it can generate uh, going forward. And it's not proven yet because the company just started producing towards the end of last year, but that's what I think it can do. Longer term, it has even better upside potential. So we want you to uh, check in next week. Be sure to, to check in with, uh, with us and listen to our show. Congressman Ron Paul will be our special guest next week. And you can check in and learn more about Roger Chen and myself by going to WeBeatTheStreet.com. That's WeBeatTheStreet.com. You can call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426 also to subscribe to any of these newsletters. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.